0: We got something to sing about. We got something to shout about. We got something to praise about. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the name of the Lord God. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Since I saw my name in the book of heaven, since I saw my name in the book of redemption, since I saw my
1: name. The book I have communion now with Christ my redeemer since I saw my name in the book oh since I saw my name in the book of redemption since I saw my
0: Stand together and we'll sing, Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Oh, thou art worthy.
1: Thou art worthy. Oh, thou art worthy.
0: Go to prayer this morning. Oh, Father, we come to You this morning with praise on our lips, Lord Jesus. As I heard the prophets say this morning, there is no greater privilege for a mortal man than to come to You, oh, Father, in prayer. And know that You hear us, oh, God. Thou, oh, God, the great God of glory. You have bent Your ear towards the earth to hear Your little bride call out Your name. And give you praise, O oh God. We think of these things, O oh God, and how privileged we are, O oh Lord Jesus, to know you, O oh Lord God, our Creator, our Maker, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Deliverer, our Healer, our everything, our all, and our. You are the Prince of Peace, the King of Glory our Counselor, our Mighty God, our Everlasting Father. Oh, Lord Jesus, we worship you this morning. And we give you praise for thou art worthy, Lord, to receive all of our honor, all of the glory, all of the praise, oh, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, oh, God, for this service this morning. We thank you for another opportunity, oh, God, to come and sing your praise to come and hear your word to come and worship you lord oh god we thank you for it father we want to redeem the time lord the time is growing short father and you only have our lips lord on this earth you only have our hands oh god you only have our feet lord let us be willing oh god to do what you would have us to do father to accomplish your purpose lord oh lord Jesus. That you might come and catch your waiting bride away, Lord. That last little one, come in, Father. Oh, granted, Lord Jesus. Have your way this morning, Father. Meet every need, oh God. Strengthen those that are in the hospital rooms, Lord. Our brother Milko, Father. Our brother Henry, Lord. Our sister Bev Charman, Lord. Oh God, we pray that you just pour in grace into their lives, Father. Healing grace, Lord. The healing grace of Calvary, Father. Oh God, we just lift them up before you. And each one, Lord God, each member of the body, Father, you know our needs, Lord God. You know our desires, Father. The inner desire of man, oh God. We have loved ones, Lord. Oh God, we just come to you, Father, knowing that you are the Jehovah Jireh. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are Jehovah Shalom. You are Jehovah Nisi, oh God. All these redemptive names are all embodied in you, Lord Jesus. How we thank you, O God, the supplier of all of our needs, O God. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Have your way, Lord, God, we pray. And every exercise, every part of this service, Lord, every effort that's gone forth, O God, may it be done to give you glory and honor your holy name, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you with all of our hearts. And we just pray that you take control, O God, and have the preeminence this morning, O God, and have the preeminence in our lives, Lord Jesus. Granted, Father, we pray in the precious and holy name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. I'd just like to uh, sing another little chorus, and our sister Precious has got a special for us this morning. Um, Could we sing, My Hope is in the Lord? I'll start with, I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord. If you want to come and get ready, sister, that'd be fine. I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord,
1: in whom the wisdom of the age For whom the raging of the sea subsides, the living sacrifice, the only source of life.
2: work for our God Though sometimes we don't see how they go Struggles that break our hearts in two Sometimes bind us to the truth Our Father knows what's best for us Just
0: Precious, we appreciate that so much, the song is so beautiful, and she sang of a tapestry, and we are woven together on God's great loom, children of God from around the world, woven together by this glorious message, amen, and reflecting Jesus Christ and all his attributes, amen. Just a couple of quick announcements. Um, there's going to be a wedding uh streamed tomorrow. Um, sister Daniela Asierda is marrying our precious brother Alex, uh Filipino couple. Um, the link to stream the wedding is gonna to be tomorrow at uh, it's on the web webpage. It's gonna to be tomorrow at 5 p.m. Brother Tom is gonna to be doing the officiating and um there's only one service here again next weekend for the memorial day the US holiday and then i believe the following week and the week after if the lord is willing and brother murphy is going to be in down in uh down in washington to take the services at the uh, camp so the precious people, our brothers and sisters in Washington, will be able to enjoy some live ministry, and we sure do appreciate your faithfulness and pray that God will bless you and keep you. Just before Brother Tim comes, I was thinking of this song. It was a great thing that he did for me. And uh I was just thinking of no doubt Brother Tim's gonna be doing a little presentation on the on the work that's being done and the missions report and and what a great thing God has done in every individual life. God sent his word, his message, but he meets us individually and he knows how to speak to our hearts individually. He comes right to our address and he knows just exactly how to come and minister and bring life to the seed. Isn't that wonderful? Whatever, wherever we are in our station, wherever we are in, our, in, the, in, the, in the world, in the grand scheme of things, God comes down in such a mighty way, so simple and so humble. Such a great thing. Amen. It comes in such simplicity, but in such greatness, in such reality, and, and changes lives, transforms lives. Hallelujah. Amen.
1: Well, it was a great day. by me through all my troubles when I
3: a great thing that he did for me. That's how I feel this morning. We could just end the service now. Call the baptisms. We're rejoicing. Everybody's happy. Amen. Glory to the name of the Lord. It was a great thing. That's a sermon. It was a great thing that he did for me. Glory to his name. Are you happy this morning? Amen. We are happy to be gathered together in God's only provided place of worship. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Good to be gathered together this morning. Thank you, musicians. I'd love to keep singing, but that's all the singing we'll do for now. And we'll turn to the Word. If you have your Bibles with you, we'll go to Hebrews chapter 4 this morning. Greet you all in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I want to thank you for being here physically and spiritually. Uh, good to be gathered together with you. And we want to... Uh, just approach his word this morning before we maybe uh, deal with some things from the missions field. We call it the missions field. It's a worldwide bride. I feel like Canada is a missions field. We need missionaries in Canada. Matter of fact, I've been praying to that end that God would open doors and I trust that you are also praying that way. I was praying yesterday, Lord, save my neighbors. I hope you pray that way. Save my neighbors, Lord. Do something for them. They need salvation. After the party they were having yesterday, I felt like, man, do they need salvation? And, uh, you know, we just pray, Lord, get, save their souls. Amen. Well, just before we read, let's, let's bow our heads together and uh, let's approach the author of the word. Just pray that God will be merciful to each and every one of you this morning if you have a need. Why don't you just signify that before the Lord? Maybe you have a question. Maybe you have something. He is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we're gathered together here this morning with saints of like precious faith around the word, this is our service for the day as we would call it a service. Lord, this is your day as David has written, we will be glad and rejoice in it. This is the day that you have made. You've allowed us, Lord, to gather around your word. We're not completely shut down, though we wish that these pews were full of people, Lord. And may it be so that that will soon come. But nevertheless, Lord, we stand in public confession that no matter what the government does, No matter what this world does, no matter what Satan has planned for this age, we stand on the unfailing promises of the Word of God. And Lord, as you're near to each and every one, that you have deposited that that faith within each heart. Lord, as they're reaching out to you. Lord, may you, the great discerner of every thought and every intent of every heart, may you just come by their way. May you take note of every request. May you direct the service the way that it ought to go and anoint the minister, Lord, whatever small of a gift. It's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the God that's using the gift. And so, Lord, may you just anoint it for your, the benefit of your body. And take complete control of this service. May every word we say be pleasing to you, we pray. We ask it for your glory and your honor. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Hebrews chapter 4, we'll start at a familiar verse, verse 12, though that's not our text. Um, verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him whom we have to, with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, or we could say confession. It's the same word. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. I'd like to take my text from verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And my title is Approaching... The throne of grace, and as I take this thought today, and uh, as a, as we speak on this, we're going to be dealing with the subjects of grace and of mercy, and and uh, we've been from the last service uh, uh, in a subject of prayer, and I, I felt just to take it maybe just a little bit further, uh, but as I approach these subjects, it's important that. Uh, we look at it from the right perspective, and that is not an intellectual perspective. But I trust that the word that is spoken today will bring faith into the hearts of the hearer on the approach to the throne of grace. Because many times we're human beings and we don't always understand everything the way that we ought to. Many times we call grace mercy and mercy grace. And we, we don't always uh understand the difference between those two words. And I don't think that that's necessarily important or that it necessarily matters because God knows the desire of your heart. He's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And even as we might use and look in the Bible and we might refer to Greek words or I might refer to Greek words or I might refer to Hebrew words, uh, you know, even then I'm very careful because I realize that The definitions of these words are not always taken from inspired sources. That is to say, men put into dictionaries maybe what Homer, how Homer used the word or how Josephus used the word or different ones and, and we have to be careful with that because those are not necessarily how God would use the word. But many times as we approach a subject, uh, and those things can be helps. Um, dictionaries, I use them and try to understand the, the meanings behind the words. But really, in my heart of hearts, I like to see the meanings of these words in the light of the message of the hour. To me, that is God's most inspired and most authoritative point of view. That God takes a man for the age and He inspires him to take subjects and to take thoughts and to preach it in a certain way, so that we can catch the depth of the meaning that has not been caught in other ages. I want you to catch that—that that the message of the hour did not come just as some kind of a dictionary or as some kind of a uh, 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 some kind of a definition, but rather it came to open up the understanding of the mind of God that He wrote in His Word. Amen? You believe that the Bible is the infallible Word of God? Amen? We believe that together. And so, as as we look into the Word of God, I believe that Brother Branham said things that he said for a reason, with inspiration, to help the bride of Jesus Christ in this age, in her approach to God. Not in our intellectual understanding, but in our approach to God that we might understand exactly who we are in the sight of God. Because we need to know the right approach. You know, the Seraphonician woman came to Jesus, but she started on the wrong approach. And because she started with the wrong approach, she didn't get an answer. She had to change her approach and, and 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 praise God. God was merciful to her and to help her to change her approach to be able to obtain the need that she had. Even Brother Branham, I quoted a quote a couple services back and uh, as he was talking about different things. And, he's, and he talked about how the, the wrong approach to something. And he says, no wonder the people can't have faith if they're not taught the right way. And so it's, uh, it behooves me as a minister, it behooves every minister to make sure that we know what we're talking about. We don't study just to gain some something eloquent or some kind of an emotional story or some kind of something that will tickle your mind, but rather if we could tap into the eternities of God and, and lay a hold on the promises of God in the light that God wants it brought out, it will strike the heart of the hearer and will bring faith because, Faith comes by hearing the Word, hearing the Word of God. And so we, we desire that with all of our hearts. Now Jesus, when He went to prayer in Matthew 26, you don't need to turn to it, but he, as he, the Bible says He fell on His face and prayed and said, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. So, in, in Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, we find two wills. Jesus saying, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Uh, if, you're, if you're willing, let this cup pass. But, I don't want my will, I want your will. We want to be in the center of God's will. And that's a place that we need to approach always in prayer. And Brother Branham takes up this subject at length, self-will. It, you can read about it in the message, Revelation chapter four, part three in 1961, if you want to study it. He's, but he's, he's, he asks a rhetorical question. He says, why will you call that self-will, Brother Branham? He's asking himself the question as though it's from somebody else. He says, because it puts a man and a woman back again Just like Adam and Eve at the Garden of Eden. On what? The two trees. Self-will, this one is death. This one is life. Self-will or free moral agency. He says, God placed the first man, Adam and Eve, right there. Right here, rather, on free moral agency. He places you the same. Now, I'm just building this as a foundation this morning. He places you the same, he says. And the only way that you can get this thing fixed in here is your own self-will. Okay, follow him now. He says, you have to will to do God's will. Okay, you have to will to do God's will. He says, well, God's will is God's will. Who can override God's will? But you have to will to do God's will. You have to have that purpose in your life. He says, you have to get rid of your own will to let God's will come in. For this is the only channel that leads to the heart. And just a month later, he's in Long Beach, California. And and he tells them these words. Now, he's he's instructing actually. he, He actually directly points to the people in wheelchairs and stretchers. And he says, listen to you in these chairs and stretchers. He says, if you'll watch closely now. I say this to you that are in hospital beds, or I say it to you wherever you are this morning. You might be sick. Somebody might even be listening to this. You know, sometimes we don't know. Sometimes a person will listen in the days ahead and catch a service, and, and, and God will use that for somebody. I had a, a brother write me not too long ago. He said, Brother Tim, right in the service, at the beginning of the service, you prayed, Lord, anoint this to somebody that will watch this in the future. He says, I was feeling led to watch it. And he says, here it was many years later. He says, and you said that, and God used it for me. Amen. Amen. So so God, can, God's word is eternal. Amen. Amen. His word can, can reach beyond what we call time barriers or space barriers. So now Brother Branham speaking to these people. In, he says, you in chairs and stretchers. He says, now he can only prove himself to be alive. But as far as your healing, it's a finished product. Okay? Now this is very important how Brother Branham brings this. If he was standing here tonight. Let me just stop for a minute here. Because this will really touch on... Uh, many things that have happened in the last 50 years. A lot of times we don't realize that divine healing was a revolutionary subject when Brother Branham came on the scene. It wasn't something that, you know, you grew up in a message church, many of you, or you got saved in a message church, or maybe like me came from a Pentecostal church that believed in divine healing. But the, 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 the subject of believing in divine healing was, was almost revolutionary in the last century. It, it was a truth that had left the church or, or the church had laid aside and had gone through thousands of years of dark, or hundreds of years rather, of dark ages, but now God was restoring his word. But there had to be a true foundation laid for it. You can't just believe divine healing, well, God heals me because I say so. You know, it's kind of like the age we're living in. It's true because I say it's true. You know, that just isn't so. It's not true because you think it. It's only true if it's God's truth. God is the way, the truth, and the life. So now, Brother Branham's laying a foundation here for the people that are sick. And excuse me for taking that little sideline there. He says, He can only prove Himself to be alive, but as far as your healing, it's a finished product. If He was standing here tonight with this suit on that He gave me, He could not heal you. If you come and begged Him and pleaded Him to, He could not do what He's already done. He's left it up to you on the basis of your faith. He cannot save you. Now, listen to this statement. He cannot save you against your own will. You're a free moral agent. You can turn it down or you can accept it. And then he turns to healing. He says, you understand clearly now, he cannot heal you against your will. He cannot save you against your will, but he can make himself known in his promises. Then you accept it upon those basis. Amen. So we have something to play in this. God has put us here on the earth in free moral agency, whether it be for salvation, whether it be for healing. I'll say if there's somebody that's listening this morning that's not saved, God's not going to save you against your own will. You have to want to serve God. If God's speaking to your heart, you have to surrender your own self-will. He's not going to override that. Our dear brother Tom, he gives us his testimony many times of how the dealing of the Lord through brother Ken and sister Linda and the different ones and, and how he was resisting the Holy Spirit and not wanting this and not wanting that. And, and there was always a back and forth in that. and you know. But finally he gave up his own will to serve God or take God's will in his life. And so we we recognize that God deals with each one of us individually. That was just the most uh, most, uh, clear example that I could think of this morning. So he makes himself known to us, but then it's our choice. All right? So then, Brother Branham, I'll take a little further here. He, He makes another statement. And I'll go to the believer. He says, we have our body... And in our being here is like a seed. A seed on the outside has a shell and a shell has a crust. Or a pulp, pardon me, and the inside the pulp has a germ. And that's the way we are, body, soul, spirit. He's talking about the three realms that we live in. But then he, he says the inside is one avenue. And that avenue is the same place where God will set every man from Adam and Eve. Self-will. Okay, He says, you will to live or you will to die. Either one, you want to. You're based on free moral agency. But this is a statement I want to get to now. This is for you believers. He says, whatever a spirit that you let dominate you will bring forth the fruits. Whatever spirit that you let dominate you will bring forth the fruits. Your life will be dominated by the inside. Uh, I could, I could, we could really just branch out here for the entire service, so I haven't even got to my subject yet. But, but let me just say that, you know, as a Christian, you have to realize that there are many things that are trying to influence you. There are many things that are trying to uh, uh, occupy your time, occupy your mind, occupy your thoughts. But it's whatever you allow to dominate you. That's the kind of fruit that your life will bring forth. If you let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit dominate you, that will bring forth fruit unto life eternal. And that's what every Christian believes for. That's what every Christian dies for, lives for. You know, Brother Branham said in one place, he, he says... uh, uh I don't have I can't think of the quote exactly, so I better not say it. But he's basically saying, you know, people say they're this and people say they're that. He says, All I want to be is God. He says, All I want to be is God. In other words, he wasn't saying I want to be God. He's saying that all I want is the attributes of God expressing itself through me. And and that's the way it is with every believer. And everything that we yearn for is that And as much as you surrender your self-will to God, and as much as you let the Holy Spirit dominate your life, that's as much fruit as you're going to bear. Amen. And so, so we have to realize that you have battles. We've been through battles. Those of us that are older have been through battles, and been through more battles than those of you that are younger, and you're still going through battles. But the battle is to surrender yourself. The battle is to yield yourself to God and let the Holy Spirit dominate your life. And whatever gift, whatever uh, talent that God has put in you, He will bring forth the fruits of it. And I can say you'll never regret it by surrendering your life completely to God. Couple more quotes if you don't mind. Brother Brad, i talking about Abraham. And he's talking about election. He says, Paul states the word predestinated us to the adoption of sons. Okay, so I'm just dropping this into... Just make sure this is in your mind. He says, now that doesn't mean that God just puts you in a little channel and runs you through and you can't help it. How you go... He says... There would be no reward. He says, but God gives you the free moral agency to make your choice. But God will keep his believer. All right? So he says, predestination is not that God puts you in a channel and then just pushes you through it and you can't help it. No, he says, you're still a free moral agent. Even after you're a believer, you're a free moral agent even after you you come to uh, a place as a son or daughter of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, surrendered yourself to God, you're still a free moral agent. You still have choices to make in life. You know, Brother Branham, Brother Biscoe, so glad that he explained the black bear vision. You know, but when Brother Branham was up there hunting with the brothers, he had a choice. He, ha- he knew what the vision was, he knew where he had to be, but because of his sympathy for Bud, he chose to be with Bud rather than where he was supposed to be, and there the young brothers saw the very bear that Brother Branham saw in the vision. And so then, it, then he became desperate to get back to the center of the will of God. Not my will, but your will be done. And sometimes surrendering yourself to God's will in certain circumstances is tough to do. Not just because there's an effort required, but because of human sympathies. Because of culture. Because of the way we're raised. Because of the way we understand things. All those things. Sometimes the mind of God can be so contrary to what we understand. We certainly know it was that way in Noah's day. When it had never rained before. But the mind of God said it's going to rain. And Noah had commissioned you to build an ark. And Noah just surrendered himself to the will of God. Everybody else was pursuing careers. Were pursuing education. They were pursuing their sports. They were pursuing their, their worldly entertainments. They were pursuing the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. The pride of life. They were pursuing all those things. But Noah stayed center in the will of God. He says, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what science says. Oh, that's not a very good thing to say in this hour, is it, Brother Nathan? Noah said, I don't care what science says. I'm pursuing the center of God's will. And because he stayed in the center of God's will, when science said, there's no rain up there. But Noah said, no, God said, and it's going to rain. Amen. Amen. Brother Brown said in 1959, he said, you send your own soul to its eternal destination upon the free moral agency of your own convictions. God does not send anyone to hell. He never did, and He never will. Men send themselves to hell because they refuse to accept the way of salvation. I wish I could look into the eye of sinners saying this. You know, it's... God never sends anybody. Oh, God's a loving God. Why would He send anybody to hell? He doesn't. He's a loving God. He's not willing that any would perish. Man sends himself to hell because they refuse to choose based on their own free moral agency the way of salvation. One last quote on free moral agency if you don't mind. A lot of quotes this morning. Just kind of... Laying them all in there very quickly. When you realize, what are we doing here? Where did we come from? It's 1963. He says, or what business have we got being here? We wasn't put here just by chance. We were put here for a purpose, and we must serve that purpose. You hear me, young people? You hear me, everyone? Everyone. We must serve that purpose. We must serve the purpose. But still, we are back on the basis of free moral agency. Where we can serve it or reject it. Just like Adam did in the beginning. So it doesn't matter. You say, well, I'm predestinated. I'm going to make it. Really? God says, you can accept it or you can reject it. You say, well, I, I, I know if there's a seed gene in there, I don't want to go so far over here on your action to forget that if God sees a seed gene in you, He knows what it's going to take to get your attention. But ultimately, it's your decision. And whether you accept or whether you reject the will of God, that's entirely up to you. So why do we then even preach if there's predestination? Why do we then even preach the word of God? But we, as Paul says, we persuade men. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. There's a truth of God and, and there's an error of the devil. But you have to choose for yourself. As he says in Second Corinthians 5, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. There's a reason that we realize that the wages of sin is death. Unbelief will lead you to a a payment plan that you don't want. And, uh, and there's a recompense for the sins of this world. And you don't want that. And I'll say you don't want to choose that not for a moment, not for a second, not for any time of your life. I would persuade you find God's purpose in your life, find God's will and accept it as the center of your life. That's why even going to church, and I was thinking about going to church, you know, how that people, you know, sometimes we can get, Uh, of the situation where, where church becomes a almost a burden in our life because we're so busy and because things pile up on us. But let me just tell you this. When you're in the center of God's will, going to church is the center of your life. Everything else revolves around that. That's why we're so... I could say out of place. That's why we'll sit in our homes and we'll watch it on the screen. We'll do something because the center of our life is serving God. The center of our life is recognizing God's blessing within our life and coming together and worshiping Him. That there is a God in heaven who had mercy on me, who came by my way one day and saved my soul and delivered me from the things of the world. And all I want to do is rejoice in His presence. Now sometimes I gotta do other things too. I gotta go to work. I gotta mow the lawn. I gotta take out the garbage. Those things all gotta be taken care of. I've gotta paint the house, whatever it might be. There are things that need to be taken care of, but the center of my life is to serve God. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever let the devil take that away from you and say, oh well, you know, you're busy in church three times a week. Come on. You know, there's so many other things you got to take care of. No, don't let the devil take you down that road. Stay in the center of his will. Amen. So the scripture we read says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's called the throne of grace. But mercy can also be obtained there. In some ways it's called the mercy seat. But you know, it's interesting because you know, Brother Branham never, if you, if you study the message, you'll find Brother Branham never implores God, please have grace on the people. He never says, he never implores God to have grace. But 700 and some times he implores God, have mercy on the people. There's a difference between grace and mercy. Let me just lay it out for you a little bit this morning to help you. And as we approach God's grace in this hour. So the the Bible says that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So I'll say that grace is found, but mercy is obtained or received. Or we could say it another way that mercy, or grace rather, is eternal. Grace in itself is eternal, but mercy can be persuaded. And I was thinking of, what's a word that they'll never forget? I'll say it this way. Grace cannot be changed, but mercy is negotiable. I'll let that sink in a little bit in your minds. Grace cannot be changed, but mercy is negotiable. And I'll prove it to you why I say it that way. Because Brother Branham has taught us, prayer changes things. Alright? So when we go to God in prayer... And when we approach the throne of grace, we want to find grace, but we also want to obtain mercy. All right? And so we we, we find that uh, you can pray, and when you pray, really the, the the majority of the time we pray, the object is to obtain mercy for a specific situation when you are praying something. You know, but Jacob i remember when he was at the brook as he was praying, as he had divided up his family and all of his assets and everything and sent them on ahead, and, and now he still finds himself in the middle of a situation. He wasn't going to God to find grace. He was going to God for mercy. He was hoping that his life would be spared. He knew that he had upset his brother. He know that he had stolen the birthright and stolen the blessing. And his brother was angry with him. And the situation looked dire. And he's coming now with 400 men. And he thought, oh my, this could be the end of my life. So he's looking for mercy. And he begins to wrestle with the angel. But what did he find with the angel? He didn't find mercy. He found grace. Because grace is predestinated unmerited favor. And grace is what you are in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. And so grace itself is eternal. Let me read you a quote here from the Invisible Union. He says, You're going to the wedding in the sky. You are wearing the wedding band of predestinated, unmerited grace. A wedding band of grace, unmerited of your own. God did it Himself. He knew you before the foundation of the world. You believe that, all right? And he slipped, or so he slipped, the wedding band on you there. When you're born, you have the wedding band of predestinated, unmerited grace. I was, te- I used this in the devotions to the young people last week, and I said to the sisters, you know, when you get engaged, I says, you tell that young man that this is the second wedding band you're wearing. And they were uh, yeah, oh, I don't know if I can say that, you know. But really, isn't that true? You you better first have the predestinated unmerited grace wedding band that God slipped on your finger before the foundation of the world. Otherwise you're really not worthy to be married, as far as believers are concerned. But have that wedding band first, or at least have the realization of it, because if you ever were in the mind of God, you always were in the mind of God. Can we go there? So grace itself is eternal. Brother Branham says grace and love are twin sisters. Is that right? Now if they're twin sisters, then they're born at the same time. Now when was love born? Well, the Bible says God is love. Therefore, God and love are synonymous. Whether you say love or whether you say God, God is love. Therefore, love is eternal. There never was a time that he didn't love you. You were always in His thoughts. There never was a time that you broke His love. Aren't you glad for that? There never was a time where you did something so bad that it stopped God's love. God doesn't fall out of love. Man talks about, I was in love and then I fell out of love. and That's just feel. That's just human love. But God's love is eternal. But love has a twin sister called grace. And God's grace is also eternal. It's without beginning and without end. If God knew you, He always knew you and said, this one is mine. I know Him. I know her before the foundation of the world. I wrote their name on my book. They're going to be there in the end. I know them. That's why when Jacob wrestled with the angel, he was looking for temporal mercy. He was looking for something to save him from the present situation. But God opened his eyes and says, you're not Jacob. Your name is actually Israel. For as a prince you have power with God and have prevailed. Hallelujah. Oh, if we could only find grace. And many times people go to God for mercy. But what they find is grace. That God knew them. And God knew you, and don't worry, I have my eye upon you. Don't worry, I'm watching over your life. Don't worry, you're mine. Don't worry, I got the situation under control. We're in the middle of a situation. We want mercy for the situation. Oh God, I got this problem. I'm in the middle of this. I need help here, or I need help there. That's mercy. We call on His mercy, and we should call on His mercy. But yet in the midst of that, we can find grace. Hallelujah. We have favor in his sight. And his eyes are upon the elect. And he will never take his eyes off of you. His angel is encamped around about you. They're watching over you from the time you're born. They're taking care of you. Even though you have a free moral agency and you make mistakes. But God's still watching over you. Hallelujah. Because of his grace. Amen. That's why David wrote, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. So mercy, one writer, and I don't even know who it was, it was just a statement that popped up when I was searching for definitions of mercy. Yes, I was Googling it, folks. I thought, what is what did they look at out there? And I thought, here's a good statement. Obviously it came from somebody a little bit religious. It says, mercy is the act of withholding deserved punishment, while grace is the act of endowing unmerited favor. I thought, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Mercy. I'll say it's more than just withholding punishment. But that's the way they, they've ruined it. We don't want what we deserve. We never throw ourselves on the throne of grace saying, Lord, I want your justice. We don't want what we deserve. I want your mercy. Mercy changes the situation. Mercy is actually attainable by anybody. It doesn't have to be a believer. I'll come to that in a moment. But I'll say it this way. I would rather have grace... God's grace and no mercy at all than to have all mercy and no grace. I think there's many in the Bible. Ahab was an example. I just have to go to Ahab because he's just a classic example of it. 1 Kings 21 and verse 17. If the brothers have it, they can put that up on the screen for everybody. 1 Kings 21 and verse 17 and it says, The word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whether he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, in the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. And, and Elijah goes down and prophesies to Ahab and tells him his whole family's going to be cut off. There's going to be no heritage to his family. In verse 27 it says, And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words that he rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his flesh, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days. But in his son's days, I will bring the evil upon his house. Now here's a wicked, wicked man. Married to a wicked, wicked, wicked woman. That is just, uh, think nothing of anything but their own wants and desires. And everything to them is about themselves. And now, uh, Ahab got to coveting Naboth's vineyard. And he, and he, Naboth wouldn't sell it because it was his inheritance. And, and Jezebel heard that and she arranged to have Naboth killed. And then told Ahab to go take possession. And while he was in the vineyard, Elijah shows up and says this is what's going to happen because of what you've done. Ahab an evil evil man whom God has written off and says this is, I'm going to cut you off from the house of Israel. But this man realized how wrong he was and he repented. He sought mercy. He put on sackcloth, he prayed, he walked softly before God. It didn't change the end result. In other words, it didn't change God's grace at all. But it did change the situation that he obtained mercy for a season. See, even if Ahab could obtain God's mercy, anybody could obtain God's mercy esau was a man that could not find a place of repentance but yet in the midst of all of that god even though god said jacob have i loved esau have i hated even before they were born talk about election but even before they were born but god had mercy on esau for isaac's sake and gave esau a mountain is that right he didn't just wipe them off the fates of the earth. He just says, all right, I'll give you something. But as far as grace, you're not written in the book. You're not a part of the inheritance. There's not something in there for you. So if there is something that can be obtained, Jesus refers to it actually when he comes to the parable of the unjust judge. And he, and he speaks in Luke chapter 18 and he says a parable. Uh, he says, spoke this parable unto them. To this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So now he's talking about approaching the throne of grace. And he says there was... There was in the city a judge which, uh, which feared not God nor regarded men. And there was a widow in the city. She came unto him saying avenge me of my adversary. He would not. But after a while he said. Though I regard or though I fear not God nor regard men. But because this widow troubleth me I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said hear what the unjust judge said. Catch this now. Now just stop for a minute and look at the picture. Here's a man that has no regard for anybody's feelings. Doesn't care what this woman thinks. Doesn't care what any man thinks. He doesn't even care what God thinks. Doesn't have the fear of God, as Brother Michael spoke about on Wednesday. He doesn't, do, doesn't have that within his life. And so he's just a man. He's a judge. His word is final. And he says, you know what? I I, I have no regard for this woman. But, but the woman says, I'm not letting go until he answers me. I'm not going to let go until something changes. There was a situation. We don't know what the situation was exactly that she wanted uh, uh, judgment on. But in the midst of it all, she just kept knocking. She kept coming. And the judge finally said, lest she weary me, I will do something for her. And Jesus says, now... Shall God shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find face on the earth. In other words, what Jesus is saying, listen, God is watching over his children. But even as this unjust judge heard somebody that wasn't even connected, God will also hear anybody that's going to come to him with faith. Doesn't matter what their position, doesn't matter whether they're elect, God is a God of everybody. Are you hearing me? That's why denominational people actually get prayer answered. That's why you don't have to be part of the bride to approach unto God. Anybody can approach unto God, but it's the elect of God that have the approach to God made known unto them. If you can go to the throne of grace, not just for mercy, but if you can find grace there, I've always been in His sight. I'm a part of Him. The promises are a part of my inheritance. I'm laying hold on what's mine. Hallelujah. Then it's a different situation. God surely watches over His own. That's the role of grace. I said to the young people, and I say to anybody here, if you find yourself in a backslidden condition, no matter how far you go, go away from God, just remember that. The right approach to God, God will hear you. Don't ever forget that in your life. You might find yourself in a situation. One, you know, oh, I better just leave some of this here. We have some missions things to go into. But this is what we are wanting in every elected soul. That they will find the grace that God has for them. You can't change God's grace. It's predestinated. It's His thoughts before the foundation of the world. Twin sisters to love. But we would help any soul to find that grace. Our efforts is that we would... I I have to go to one more scripture. Let's, Let's turn to Exodus 33. It's a powerful scripture. Every effort that we put in is that people would know the grace that they have in God's sight. If you find grace, no wonder Dwight Moody, after getting a revelation of grace, oh, what a revelation of grace does for you. A a revelation of grace shows you that no matter how low you get, no matter what mistake you make, if God ever has grace for you, He always has grace for you. It cannot change. That's the assurance of this great walk that we walk but you have to find grace if you live i gotta just lay this in i'm sorry but if you live your life from day to day crying out for mercy that that's what jacob was doing he met god previously he, he knew what the mercies of god he knew what it was to call out to god but one day he met grace Dwight Moody one time when that revelation come to him he, he it was so real to him he walked out on the street and the first person he met he said, "Do you know grace?" Do you know he was he was a uh, what can I say? He was a a thoroughbred built through and through evangelist. When the revelation struck him, he wanted to tell somebody else. Amen. So he goes out on the street. Brother Nathan, excuse me. I'm I this might not be scientifically correct here. Stand up for a minute. But he takes the purse, he says, Do you know grace? Do you know grace? And, and, you know, all of a sudden, I'm sure the man on the street was like, Grace who? Do I know grace? And, 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 uh, and, and you know, he says, No, the grace of God. The grace of God. And, and that's just what it becomes real to every individual. Do you know grace? Do you know you're eternally in the mind of God? Do you know when you go to your face in prayer that God's interested in hearing from you? Do you know that He wants you to prevail? Do you know that He wants you to attain the promises in His Word? It's not just your efforts. That's mercy. It's not just your pressing through and knocking continually and all that kind of stuff. But on the other side of that mercy, there's a grace laying there. That God says, come on, you can do it. Just press in. Just lay your will down and accept my will for your life. Just take a hold of my promises. Just lay hold of what I've given you. You're an eternal creature. If you can rise up into the perfect faith that I want you to walk by, you'll become such a mystic to this world. You'll become so separated people won't understand you, but you'll come into rapturing condition. It'll be a reality of a Messiah walking upon the earth, a manifestation of the realities of eternal coming into the life of every predestinated seed of God. So here's Israel now in Exodus chapter 33 coming from Egypt, going to the promised land. They're the elect of the Lord. He's brought them out. We are also in an Exodus. We're, we're in the last or the third Exodus. The first Exodus was here. The second Exodus was law to grace. But now the church is going beyond grace. The church is going from grace into the eternal. Amen. Going back to the minds of, the mind of God. Verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. See? And thou hast found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, and that I might find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Now, there are times where Moses, knowing his position in grace, stands in the gap for the people. That God will have mercy on the people. Certainly when God was going to destroy them, Moses ran into the gap and says, Lord, if you won't have mercy on these people, then take my name off the book. He knew who he was. But he says, won't you have mercy on the people? And so he used his grace or his position... To stop the wrath of God from the people. All right, so now let's look at this a little bit as Moses in conversation with God. This is this is a powerful conversation. I don't know what you do when you read this. When I read this, I think I would be scared to say some of the things Moses says to God. I don't know about you. I I'd just be scared. Uh, to me, to go, when you go into the presence of the Lord, it's a fearful thing. It's a, as Brother Michael was preaching, a reverential thing. It's something when you come into God's presence, you're very, I'm very aware, and I trust you are very aware, I believe you are, that this is God I'm approaching. This is not a buddy. This is not a servant. Brother Bram says people make God a servant. You know, This is not my servant, I'm his servant. And he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'll maybe refer to something Brother Branham says here in a little bit, but or maybe at the end of the service. But now Moses is going to him. He says, Now, therefore, I pray thee. I love the relationship Moses had with God. God said, I speak to him lip to ear. He had a conversation. We pray, God answers us, we understand that. But this was a little bit different. This was lip to ear. This is voice to voice. We can't say face to face because he couldn't see his face. But this is as close as you could get. What a relationship with God. See, because grace is discovering your relationship with God. That you are always a part of Him. And He wants the fellowship of that you are that's why he made you that's why he created the universe was to have fellowship with us and he wants that fellowship and he desires that and I'm glad he desires that so Moses says now therefore I pray thee if I found grace in thy sight show me thy way that I may know thee that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people and he said God said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For when wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth? And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight and I know thee by name now God speaking to Moses here he knew there would be two million that would be eternally separated so God could not say all the people have found grace in my sight but rather he's specifying it to Moses it's an individual revelation here and he said I will make 18 and Moses says I beseech thee show me thy glory and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And then he says this, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So God says, my grace is for those whom it's intended for and whom I choose, I will show mercy to. And we could go through many examples of the Bible and show that God's mercy was not limited to the elect. But yet his grace is specifically for the elect. So then he says, thou cannot see my face. There no, there shall be no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me and thou shalt stand upon a rock and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by. I will put thee in a cleft of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by and I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. What? An experience, what a relationship, what a supernatural event of a man standing upon a mountain with God. He's heard his voice, he's been in his presence, he's felt the atmosphere, he's seen the supernatural happen, he's seen miracles and signs and wonders, and he has one more request. Lord, if I have found grace in your sight, I want to see you. I want to see you. And God says, Well, I'll give you as much as I can give you. That is, in your present condition you can't see me i'll pass by i'll hide you in the cleft of the rock but after i pass by i'll let you see my my hind parts and as brother Bram said it was the form of a man and and so from abraham to isaac to jacob all the way down to moses it's fine it's about finding the grace that he has for his children and we are the children of Abraham from the from the mind of God before the foundation of the world by faith the scripture says we are the children of Abraham all right so God says to Abraham and I'm totally have to go to the missions report now uh God says to Abraham in the city of Ur God comes to Abraham and I I'll just say it this way, the way Brother Branham said it. God met him down there, probably a little old fellow, 75 years old. When God called him, probably a little bitty fellow, long whiskers, bald-headed, stooped shoulders. But Abraham found grace in the sight of the Lord. Out of all that city. You know, we talk about, why isn't there a message church in this city here? Why isn't there a message church in that city? Out of the big city of Ur. God comes to one man that found grace in his sight. Abraham found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God told Abraham, separate yourself from among your people. And Brother Bram says that's the best thing to do. Amen. We'll go to, we'll go to the missions report if you put Malawi up first. All right. Whether we go to this country or that country, you can go ahead and start it. Whether we go to Malawi, whatever country we go to, it's about one thing. Finding those who have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. God is looking for his own. And all of our efforts is to find these people. It's, you know, it's not about how poor they are. That's irrelevant. It's not about uh, how backwards they are or or feeling sorry for them. It's nothing about feeling sorry for them. It's entirely based on who was in the mind of God that he saw would believe this message. That's what it's all about. There's something new taking place in Malawi. When I say something new... Because often when we think of mission work, this is what we think about. A thatched hut, you know, a uh, couple of missionaries going there. Uh, in case you can't recognize, <laughs> this is Brother Ed and Brother Lonnie in 1982 in Malawi. And uh, they were amongst the first that went into Malawi there. And uh, uh, right at the beginning work, it was not easy, you know. The, the restaurants were not fully developed then, if we could say it that way. And and the, the transportation was not easy. I told someone the other day, I told a brother the other day, I says, sometimes we think we're flying, but really we're standing on the shoulders of giants. It's an expression that's not original, and I heard it somewhere. But, but it's really, these are the giants that went before us. These are the men whom God anointed back then. Now think about this. That we can go to Africa now... And And we can find churches upon churches in some countries, hundreds of thousands of believers. back then, and and even if I go back before Brother Ed, just a few months, uh, I think Brother Harold might have been the first one, or amongst the first. I don't know if Brother Willie Retief was in 1981 also, but these are the brothers that went in there. There was no believers. There was no message churches, none. Zero. These are these are soldiers that are going on the field, and this to me is real mission work. What we're doing now, I have a hard time classifying as mission work, but this is real mission work: going into a country, sowing the word, you know, finding what God will bless, and and so in the beginnings, it's one here and one there. Another one here, a few here, maybe a church here, a church over there. And so the needs of the people are very rudimentary in that, you know, they need the word, but, you know, there's, there's not a lot of people to receive the word. They need to do translation, but there's not a lot of people to do translation. And, and, and they might be able to gather a group of ministers like this, and, and a lot of those ministers will never follow through to the message of the hour. Some of them have. And, and I have the names of some of these brothers, but, but many of them back there in this meeting, these young men, God had some of them singled out that He was going to use them, and others, they were just there. But God was doing His purpose of finding the elect. Are you with me? It's about election. It's about the grace of God. And so as He, as, you know, these, uh, beginning efforts grew in the country of Malawi. I want you to to think about this now. Now here, this is 1982. Here we, I don't know if this is 82, but this is right from the beginning there. And this, um, here we are in 2021. That's 39 years later. 39 years later. What has happened? That's a generation. What has happened in a generation? Now there's thousands of believers, tens of thousands of believers in Malawi. I don't know, maybe there's hundreds of thousands, but there's at least tens of thousands of believers in Malawi and, and all of these tens of thousands of people in this very poverty stricken country have come to a place where they, they desperately need to be clothed by the word. Because end-time evangelism is not just finding a Rebecca, it's also clothing her. And she's got to be made ready in the, with the wedding garment to be married to her Isaac. And so as, as that is our commission, these brothers laid the groundwork, but now we've come to the place where our commission is to take the word to these people. There's been a generation rise up, and in the country of Malawi, there there are preachers that are well established in the word of God in the country of Malawi. The message has been in there, as I said, for 39 years, 40 years now, if we go back to 1981. And so now another generation has risen up. And this generation, these preachers, these young pastors are all saying with one accord, we need the message. And so we started a, a translation work with Brother Precious, gathering a team of ministers and, and it bore fruit of about 30 translations quite quickly and we got those onto the message hub and then after that, I was just a couple weeks ago with Brother Harold, I, I guess maybe a month or two ago now, with Brother Harold in Edmonton and I, we were talking about it and he says, I said, do you, you sponsored translation in this language and I, I said, I said, do you have those uh, those translations, he says, we don't. But he says, if you, uh, if anybody knows where they are, Brother Dixon Kondocchi knows where they are. And, uh, you know, Brother Dixon was a key player in the early years. And so I, I told Brother Precious, go talk to Brother Dixon and, or have somebody talk to Brother Dixon and somebody did. And he graciously gave over 139 translations that were sponsored by Brother Harold in the early years that we're now loading up to the message hub that'll give us 170 translations, roughly, ready to be printed. Hallelujah. And so now this is actually producing a revolution in the country because Brother Barry Coffey has started a work called Vision Books. And uh, I don't know if he's listening to this, probably not listening right now, maybe he'll listen in the future. I'll just say, I'm glad he's doing it because I don't want to do it. (laughs) I'll stick with, I told him, I'll stick with translation. You do the printing and, uh, you know, get the brothers together. And that's what he's doing. He's, he's talking to all the different churches that are able to support. I says, you get the brothers together and, and, and print the books. And I says, we'll keep searching out places where translation is needed. And we'll labor in that field, even though we do some printing ourselves, but, uh, I'll come to that in a little bit. But, Here now he's he's arranged to have these messages. These messages are on the press right now in, I believe it is China. And these are 12 messages and in total they're printing 480,000 of these messages. 40,000 of each title to go into the country of Malawi. And they will land in Malawi on June the 17th. I say praise be to God. That's created quite a revolution in the country, and I don't mean this to offend anybody, and if this offends you, I apologize in advance. But, uh, what has happened in the country has caused quite a stir amongst the ministers, because there has been, as you, as I've said before, Voice of God Recordings in Jeffersonville is no longer printing books. They are strictly doing their tablets. And, As the brothers know that tablets alone in these countries will never be able to supply the bride of Jesus Christ. Some of these places have no electricity. Some of these places still have no ability to uh, charge or service or repair or anything like that a tablet and and uh, you know god bless them let let them do the tablets i think that's that's great if that helps somebody but yet in the midst of it all books are still a necessity and translation is a necessity and so the brothers are have gathered together in different locations in the country had ministers meetings talked about the current situation and i'll just say that their their conclusion is and this is their words the message hub is a supernatural answer to their needs. So you talk about a vision of a pastor. You talk about somebody that got something going years ago. Somebody that, uh, you know, Brother Ed might not have known, you know, where all it would go. He just felt burdened that this must happen. And so it happened. And it's grown. And sometimes you wonder, uh, maybe he's wondered, is it worth it? I say it's worth it. Here's a people that are starved for the message of the hour and are right now are praising God for the effort of the message hub. Think about that now. They're lifting up their hands to God and saying, thank you for sending the message hub. I say glory to God. I'm so glad that we could help them. And, and so the work in Malawi is, is only expanding the translation work. We're still pushing forward. Um, Right now in Malawi, uh, there's 480,000 books that are going to be delivered there, 12 titles. The Church Age book is in its final uh, proofreading. And then uh, 139 more titles are being added, as I said. So the work in Malawi is a new effort that's only growing. And we say praise be to God for that. For every soul that's receiving the food that they need in this late hour. Amen. You can put up Angola next if you don't mind while he's putting up Angola i want to talk about Rwanda because Rwanda is a great i don't have any slides on Rwanda uh but Rwanda is right next to Uganda and in Rwanda you know in 2015 they had nothing nothing that's only 6 years ago all right and so brother Eli Quizera The Lord, you know, talk about God sovereignly moving somebody into an assembly. But Brother Eli Quisera came by our way. His background was different than what many of you have experienced. But he quickly recognized the importance of the message of the hour and how to, and and realized how can we get it into the hands of the people. So we did the same thing that we always do. Let's get a team of translators. There's no time to waste. It's not. One, I don't want one translation a month. I, I'm, I'm sorry, that's just the way I am. I appreciate every translation that's done. But yet, to me, get a team together. Get, if you're going to hit a language, get five. Get ten translations a month. Hit it hard. And get the message out to the people and get it in their hands. Because the people are starving. And now, they, they've done their work in translation. And, and we sponsored them for all those years. And they're now up to 342 translations. And 150 of those, 152 of those translations, they have now an audio translation. Because these people have a vision. They've got a print station. They're printing and we support them. We're no longer supporting translation. We said, okay, you've got the nucleus of the message. Keep translating. But we're not going to support it anymore. We're going to move on to other languages. I said, but... But they still needed help to print books. And there's there's less than 5,000 believers in the country of Rwanda. So it's not a huge numerical need. So I said, all right, well, what we'll do is we'll support the print station. So we support it regularly. That brother Caleb over there in Rwanda, he prints books. We send them funds every um, every couple of months to help them. It's not a large amount, but it helps them every couple of months to just print books and keep printing books and getting the message out. Why? Because the people that had come into the message were not properly grounded in the word and had become, how can I say, off the word or aside from the middle of the road. As Brother Brown says, if the people don't know what to believe, they can't have faith. And so, It's the proper teaching of the word. So they now have that. They have the, we're, we're just in the process of getting ready to print the church age book with 5,000 church age books. We can cover the entire nation. And so we praise God for that. We'll probably print that in China and then send that over there. And they're working on audio translation, uh, because they want to do a radio broadcast. They've seen the fruit of that in Uganda and they want to do that themselves. And so you pray for them. That's what they're working on is that they'll work towards a a radio broadcast. So now I said all that to say this. This is the typical case of an entire country now. They had nothing six years ago. Now they have everything they need. They can move forward in the entire revelation of the word of God. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, that's, That's what I call a success case. The elect of God, the seed of Abraham are discovering who they are. They found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Angola. Angola, as you know, we, we opened up a, a print office there because getting books into the country is very difficult. We don't really have a handle on how many believers there are in the country. So we've we've uh, put in an office, a print station, and, and uh, there we do mass printing, a high-speed printer, and they just print books very high rate of speed, and they they, uh, they lay out the pages and they get volunteers to come in and collate the books. And so they they print, a I think it's 12, 1,250 of each page. And then they collate them by hand because we we don't have the equipment to do that. We don't want to invest in a full-fledged print operation. But it also enables the local churches to have something to do in the work of the Lord. So they provide the volunteers to do the work while we provide the paper and the printer and that sort of thing. And so it's all going forward with the help of Brother Jason Jackson's church uh, carries a large part of the burden and others also are supporting the work. And so the the volunteers come in and they collate the books and put it all together and then they staple them and fold them and, and uh, uh, work together in that regard in the office and then they trim them just like we would do here and uh, get that all together and so finally they have their supply of books and we we print quite a number every month those are tracts and uh and then the people come in to get their books and they're thrilled there there Luanda is the capital city but it's kind of shut off from the rest of the country because of covid there's a lot of international travel because of the oil industry in and out of Luanda so they kind of keep the rest of the country sheltered it's almost like there's a A wall around it. It's not a literal wall, but it's, you know, it's, it's made it a little bit difficult to travel between the zones. We know a little bit about that here. But, uh, uh, the outer provinces are getting word that there's books available in Luanda. You know, it's kind of like in the days of Joseph, you know, where, where they heard, but there's grain in Egypt as there's a famine all around. You know, it's, it's a similar case. They're hearing, there's food down there in Rwanda and we want to get there. So they're contacting the brothers and how do we get there? And so there's, there's, there's starting to be people filter in from out of the outer provinces, uh, and, uh, able to pick up books and they take, pastors come in and get boxes of books for their churches and, and all of that. So, it's it's very much working very well matter of fact it's a it's a tremendous success and it, this is the kind of a print operation that will will fit a medium demand when the demand is great like malawi you got to print offshore because it's cheaper and ship it into the country but when the demand is maybe medium to small then you can do a local printing setup like we're doing here uh, so over the first six months of the operation we're, we're up to our where we want it to be on on uh, printing. That's 7,500 messages a month that we're printing there in the office in Luanda, and the distribution has lagged a little bit just because uh, our printer uh, that uh, prints the covers, which are a, a different type of paper, uh, is having difficulty, and so it broke down several times, and so we're behind on the covers, and we're going to resolve that. I trust this week, we've been waiting to resolve it. I'll just say, uh, for those of you that have traveled overseas, you know what I'm talking about. Some of these countries don't have everything you need. And uh, so we, it takes a lot of work to solve what would be a simple problem here. We just go down to Costco or or Office Supply, Office Depot, or whatever, and pick up a printer or whatever, and just get it done. You can't do that there, and uh, so it's uh, a little bit difficult. But pray for it. pray for the work there. The brothers there are doing a tremendous job, and and praise God. The bride in Angola is moving ahead with the message of the hour. You know, now I know we only have one service today, but we have some baptisms coming up, so I don't want to, I want to get to Uganda here. Um, Actually, go to Ethiopia next, if you would. Uh, We'll go to Ethiopia. You know, God knows how to find His own. This is, this is a real... Uh, wonderful story here in Ethiopia. I'll just maybe quickly go through it. God knows how to find His children. You know the beginning story of the country. It was supernatural how God opened things up and how it it worked and how the original believers got saved. Uh, and so many of the original believers spoke English, which is so unusual in that country. And and so anyway, they they just God just prepared the ground. God knows how to do it. And so. As you heard last, they were needing a new location, and they found a location. They were needing to build a building, so they have done their building. Very simple, very rudimentary, and they're now in their new church location. So we thank God for that. With help from Bible believers, they were able to get into this new location. Just last week, or two weeks ago, Brother Mogus became officially the pastor there in Addis Ababa, uh, Brother Busabozi was the original pastor. Brother Bus is now in Uganda. That's him on the left there. Brother Mogus there on the right. Uh the church doesn't always look like this. They've had a number of weddings lately, and that's why it looks like that. But uh Brother Mogus was ordained and uh and installed as a pastor uh just a couple weeks ago. It was wonderful to see, and uh I was very much wanting to be there and they were very much wanting me there for that, but I just couldn't see the way clear to get in and out of the country and as was displayed by brother Busabosi he got into Ethiopia from Uganda but now he's stuck there because he came with down with covid and so he has to self isolate in Ethiopia for 2 weeks before he can go back to Uganda and so somehow i'm sure if the lord's in it he'll make a way but but they're very much looking forward to brother Tim getting there and Brother Tim is very much looking forward to being there. But during this trip, uh, God has done a great work in the, in another town called Hawassa, in which there was a small group gathering for fellowship, uh, as one of the deacons that was in Addis Ababa had been moved with work to Hawassa, which is about, I think, four hours away. And, uh, in the midst of that, of course, you, you move a seed somewhere, they're gonna be, they're gonna be salty, they're gonna be witnessing, and people begin to receive the message of the hour. And so during this trip, uh, of Brother Basabozes, there were 16 people baptized in the city of Hawassa. Praise be to God. That is a phenomenal number for the country of Ethiopia. Go ahead, somebody started clapping, I think we all ought to clap. Wish the church was full. So they had a they're having a wonderful Jubilee and revival there in the city of Hawassa. God's saving people, opening their eyes to the message of the hour. So the little group in Hawassa is growing, and uh this is them there. So remember the country of Ethiopia. They're they're still moving forward, it's still very rudimentary, but God is adding to the kingdom such as would be saved. This was Malawi forty years ago. All right, this was Uganda forty years ago. All of these countries, Ethiopia is just receiving the message now. So we want to remember them in prayer. You know, God knows how to find His children. Go ahead and switch the slides for me. I was, talking, I was listening. Actually, yesterday I went for a walk and I was just looking to the Lord. What should I listen to while I'm walking? And uh, I was thinking, oh, maybe maybe my son has been preaching lately, so I'll see if there's anything on the Edmonton site. And sure enough, he had preached. And at the beginning of his service, he told a story. He told a uh, gave a missions report actually, and how that and I want to just share this with you because just to show you how God works. God won't lose one. There's a couple in Edmonton that are from India, and they, uh, of course, grew up in India. And the brother, writing the testimony, said, I don't really have a Facebook account. I have an account, but I don't use it. You know, it's just a, there's no nothing on there. There's no picture or nothing, but he says it's there. But my brother has a Facebook account. And he says, my brother's not a believer, but a, a childhood friend of mine got in touch with my brother. And said, and, and then he, through him, he saw a picture of this brother and his wife in Edmonton. So he got in touch with him. Got his number and made contact with him. So they began to converse. And, and the brother in Edmonton says, you know, I got saved. I'm serving the Lord Jesus now. And, and uh, I'm not the way I used to be. And oh, he says, well, that's nice. And so they started to talk. He says, well, I'm not a Christian. He says, but I have a cousin that's a Christian. So the brother in Edmonton says, oh, well, let me talk to your cousin. So they exchanged uh, contact information. He got a hold of the cousin. And the cousin says, you know... Uh, then began to uh, converse and he talked to the cousin's sister. And I think it was actually the cousin's sister, which I guess would be a cousin, uh, got saved. And she was a Christian. So he asked her, he says, well, where do you go to church? She says, well, I go to such and such a church. He said, well, who's your pastor? And so he he says, she says, well, this is my pastor. He'll give me his information. I want to talk to him. So he started talking to the pastor. So now he's talking to the pastor and he's, he's slowly talking to him about the message of the hour and talking about the message and how God sent a prophet and different things. And he's a Pentecostal man over there. His name is Mohan Singh. And, and, and he's, he's going back and forth. And finally he says, you know what? I think this guy's believing. And, and so he says, to, he gets in touch with Andrew, my son. He says, who can I send him to up in that area where uh, you know, can talk to him about the message. And so Andrew, of course, gets a hold of me, and I say, well, the best brother I know is Brother Roshan Massey. So Brother Roshan agrees to meet with his brother, and they meet, and the, bro- the Mohan Singh comes to his house, and they believe the message, and they're baptized. And the entire church is brought into the message of the hour. And then through that minister, then another minister, another Pentecostal minister becomes interested in the message of the hour. And and, and he uh, sees the message and he wants to now have a pastor seminar in that region and invite 15 other pastors, which is the limit under their COVID restrictions, and, 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 and have the pastors and their wives and uh, have them sit down and have Brother Roshan tell them about the message of the hour. Hallelujah. Now you figure that pathway out. God won't lose one. If he wants them to get the message, they're going to get the message. (laughs) Glory to God. When I heard that story, it made my mind stretch. The, the connections that they had to go through for God to get the message to this pastor up in this area that happened to be where Brother Roshan could reach out to him. And I just say, praise be to God. Salvation is of the Lord. It's all sovereignly God. And we know that from the country of Uganda and the things that are happening there. I have hundreds and hundreds of photos and videos that I, that have arrived since last time I talked about Uganda. That's how much is happening still in the country of Uganda. It's... There is still... uh, There's a lot of baptisms taking place actually right now because of the... um, uh, The COVID shutdown had stopped the baptisms for a season. But now the restrictions are loose enough that they can start baptisms. And so... We find a lot of baptisms taking place. Can you activate that video for me? And so they... No, 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 this video. No, 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 don't go to the separate video. This is a video right on the slideshow. There should be a a play button on there. I don't, I can't activate it. Go to that slide, click on it. There should be a play. Okay, it's not working. All right, we'll leave it then. This is actually a video of them. It's just a nice video of them getting on the truck and going into uh going into the bush. You, even though Uganda's a very green country, there isn't water everywhere. And so the, the believers have to be taken to places where there's water. So I want to thank everybody that has contributed to the the support of The work there to get the baptisms done. We've been able to send them some extra funds to get the people together and to uh, uh, baptize these people. There we go, it's working now. There we go. So you can see they just load them up on trucks. Not exactly uh, what our government or police would allow for transportation, but it works there. They're excited. They're going to get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, they're having a good time. Amen. So there they are unloading the truck at the destination. And then uh, the rain comes. It starts to rain, but that's all right. They're going to get wet anyway. So they're heading to the waters of baptism. Got to walk the rest of the way, come in around the baptism. There you can see hundreds of them. And there they are entering into the waters of baptism... In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, probably in the last month or two there 's probably been close to well there 's been well over a thousand baptisms, probably approaching two thousand baptisms now, and so it 's just they 're now catching up on all of the people that have come in that have been waiting that have believed, and even some of these uh, uh, people are ministers and and uh, but this is just a congregation that uh, Brother Fred has gone to this is uh, I'm not sure if this is the Pentecostal church that came in after the Adventist church, but this is a, it could be that baptism but like I said there's so many pictures of baptisms sometimes they're they're able to get the people that are nearby one of the message churches get them to one of the message churches and gather them together for baptism there and and use the baptismal tank that they might have I think this is brother Hannington's church in his area and so God is blessing the brothers with many many souls I'll say God is blessing the body of Jesus Christ with many, many souls. It doesn't matter to me whether they're in Uganda or whether they're in Angola or whether they're in Malawi or Ethiopia or Canada or United States. It doesn't make no difference. They're all a part of God. They're a part of His body. They're a part of our body. They're a part of Him. They're a part of us. So obviously some of the work in Uganda creates a need as we've talked about For buildings, and there are a few brothers that are burdened for buildings in these countries. And, uh, I have one brother in particular that keeps, uh, pushing us forward in building buildings, and he's got a great burden to help with shelters there, as many of these believers have been kicked out of denominational structures, and so they have no place to gather. Some of them are, are gathering under trees still, and so this is an example of just a plot of land. Uh, this is in the town of Luero. And, um, and so we bought, this is a thousand dollars right here that bought this piece of land. And then for a couple thousand more, we're able to erect a very rudimentary structure, turn it, put tin on the outside and they have a shelter. They have their own church. Praise God. Two, three, no more than $4,000 in most cases. And they're into their own structure and it's all theirs. And they press on with Christ. Amen. So so we're thankful for that. And they vary in sizes. This is in the town of Kanjuki. No, it's not a way to say it. Chanjuki would be more the way to say it. And this would be the uh a town of Chalagi. And so uh, these are just the three latest that were put together. Since the last BFCR, there's nine new structures been put up. And I say, I thank God for the brothers that are burdened for that it's It's an important work, and it's very helpful and encouraging to the believers over there. They gather wherever they can gather. This is a someone's a building that we didn't build, and they have a little structure there. God bless them for that and they're gathered together with uh the brethren there. This is Brother Samson. You can see him here also. This is Brother Sampson and Brother Hannington on the right there. Uh, if you see their faces there, the taller one is brother Samson. He's the brother, God's using him very much now, but he's the brother that he was in a, one of their buses, which is like a minivan, and the bus was run over by a dump truck. All right. Run over by a construction truck. Sixteen people in that van, 15 died. He survived. Was very seriously hurt, but he survived. God was not finished with him yet. It took him years to recover. Are you hearing me, Brother Milko? But he recovered. He fought his way through. And now he's back on the field. God is faithful. To one, he'll do a miracle. And I'll I'll tell you about a miracle later. But to another, it will take time. But each according to God's purpose. And so he's now a faithful brother on the field. They've got a team of brothers that works together. I don't have time to go into all the things that they do. But I was counting up in the month of April. I said, and you'll see it in the BFCR that we're putting out right now. Is this okay? Everybody enjoying this? All right. Now, in the BFCR, you'll see the list, but I'll just tell you right now. In the month of April, just to tell you what's happening over there, Outside of regular Wednesday or Sunday services, okay, outside of that, there were 32 meetings. And then there was Wednesday and Sunday services. All right? So this is what's happening in that area as the word is going out. They're not slack, and we're standing behind them and supporting them and helping them. Listen, if God's saving souls there, I want to be a part of it. Don't you? Amen. We want to uh, help them as best we can, and may the Lord help us to help them. And so they're gathering in all these different places. There might be several churches. This is one of the ones we built. Uh, this is another location. Uh, the the structures are rudimentary, but the word of God is the same. Now, one of the things I'll just mention here, and a couple of testimonies, and then we'll 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 have the people go for baptism this morning. But the one of the important things that's happening right now is ministers' meetings. Because so many new ministers in the message are like new believers, but they're ministers. And so just to be able to get together and ask questions and be taught on a subject in a way that they've never been taught before. And receive, because they, they're receiving now messages, as you can see here, we're printing in Uganda... We've got Church Age books there. We now have Seals books there. Uh, we got the Hebrews book just going to print that's going to be going there. And so all of these things now, we've we've given them some Bibles, printed some Bibles for them. All of this Word coming into their hands that they're digesting, now they're able to see things in a different light, and God blesses them, and the brothers arrange ministers' meetings so that they can gather together, like even Brother Branham referred to in a few places, gather together and discuss some of these things. Because even when back when Brother Branham talked about it in the 60s, I think it was, or late 50s, the message was new. And to them, the message is new. And so they get to discuss and talk, and, and it's become a very important aspect. Here you see Brother Fred with some ministers in another location, receiving a Bibles, some of them. And Can you imagine being a minister of God without a Bible? My! But yet they're preaching the gospel, they're just believing God, and they're preaching, but now they're being clothed with the Word of God. Part of the uh, additional burden we have is getting the message in MP3 format into the hands of the people because we do have audio translations and these are brothers that have received the MP3 players and not just to the new ministers but also to the established ministers in some of the remote regions of Uganda we're we're sending out MP3 players this is where Brother Basibosi went with another brother Robert from Kampala and they went up into this region I think there was about 50 ministers that received the voice of God's prophet for the first time so they could hear the Luganda language, but if they spoke English, all the English messages were on there. And so God bless them and that God's grounding these brothers in the Word of God to bring the bride to maturity. So we see these uh, ministers' meetings taking place. It's also been some interesting things come out of it. This is a meeting that just recently took place as brother Elijah Diogo having a meeting. And in that meeting some ministers, denominational ministers attended and got up to challenge what was being preached. But brother Elijah did not uh, uh allow them. I'm sorry this wasn't a ministers meeting, this was a regular meeting. And so in this regular meeting as they were challenging him, he said, "No, I'm sorry, you know, this is not the place." He says, "However, I invite you to come to our minister's meeting and you can, you can ask Brother Stephen any question you want. And so they took up, they took that up. And so they went and I got a no, uh, voicemail from uh, Brother Stephen Abali just three days ago and I shared it with the brothers here. We were, we just had a little meeting and, but I, I want to just read it to you because I think it's just profound how God operates. I would have played it for you, but it was only on audio format. He says, God bless you, Brother Tim. I've just had the greatest ministers meeting today. This is our normal. I'll just put Brother Stephen up on the screen here. This is our normal Iganga ministers meeting. Now on Tuesday, Brother Elijah went and took a meeting in Nakivambu for me. And I think you've got the pictures A number of ministers rose up that are come to be bad, that are come just to be bad and oppose what was happening as a bushfire. We are baptizing people all over the place. We are giving strange literature to people. So Brother Elijah at the end would not handle, you know, the arguments that they had. So an arrangement was done that those ministers would be included in our ministers meeting today and I would handle their questions. They were specifically around the Godhead, water baptism, but I expanded it and I preached on understanding the atonement. And my emphasis was on Leviticus 17 verse 11. So you know, today when I got to the place, I was surprised that one of the ministers has a radio program in the town of Iganga. Okay, let me just clarify. Iganga is where Brother Stephen lives. His church is in Jinja, which is about 45 minutes away, but he lives in Iganga, so, this, these people, the minister's meeting is in Iganga, and this minister has a radio program in Iganga. Okay, just to help you out there. He says, I was surprised one of the ministers that has a radio program in the town of Iganga had come around. He was always preaching against baptizing in the name of Jesus, he was preaching against the Godhead and emphasizing the Trinity. So I went in and took the subject for two hours. I moved all over, you know, the sonship, the atonement, preached about forgiveness of sins, the sin sacrifice, the sin offering, you know, took to the two gods, and I really moved all over the place. So we had agreed that the questions would come at the end of the service. So then up stood one young man, and he shot a question of, if God is one, to whom was Christ praying to when he prayed? And straight on, this man, whom he had brought to be the support... He stood up. He's talking now about the one with the radio program. He stood up and said, What Brother Stephen has preached is nothing but the truth. I've been a fighter fighting against the Trinity. I mean mean fighting against the Godhead. I've been a fighter fighting against the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I practically understood according to Scripture. Then Brother Stephen says, So he stood up and broke down the Scripture... I think even better than I had done. And he understood it deeper than what I had presented. And he quieted the people so that he said, if you ministers are against it, me, I'm taking it as the truth. And he says, I've got two churches that I need to be baptized. And so one of them is 150 and another is about 200 people. So together he has two groups to amount to 350 people. And they need to be baptized. Now listen to Brother Stephen's comments. Brother Tim, I think the atmosphere was so explosive. I've never really had a meeting like this. Because you know the presence of these men would make it a little bit difficult. And any minister knows that. When you got opposition in the service, it makes preaching a little bit harder. <laughs> and And he says, but there was such a flow of freedom that when I presented these truths, you see, there was such a freedom in my heart. So at the end of the day, we were able to share out of the seven church ages to the team of these ministers, ten of them. But this man says he wants to be baptized together with his group. And right now, over the radios, that's what's going on. What is happening? Quote, what is happening? That these people are baptizing all over. Hallelujah. They're, uh, they're wondering what is happening. You see, you don't have to fight for yourself. God fights for you. Just preach the word. Amen. God will find those that are His. Amen. Maybe the, the ones that are going to be baptized could prepare and, and I'll just carry on for a few minutes while they're getting ready. You know, there was one more testimony while they're getting ready. And that is Brother Fred. You can get the video ready, actually. And, uh, Brother Fred, as you know, had come in contact with an Adventist minister and that entire church had come in. Well, through the Adventist minister, then a Pentecostal minister had, had become uh, uh, aware of the message and it had embraced the message and he had invited Brother Fred to go and preach at his church. And so Brother Fred went and preached at their church, the Pentecostal church, and they all believed the message. And now there was, there was hundreds to be baptized. And so they took them all to be baptized. Well, that just set the devil uh, angry in that region. Because the the denominations, you know, they were seeing some of these churches that were some of their bigger churches had now uh, embraced the message of the hour. And they were angry about it. Of course, it was just the devil inspiring those religious spirits. And so as Brother Fred went back the following week then... And had another meeting with the people because the denominations had come in and they had begun to uh, try and stir up the people against the message of the hour. But he went in and God helped him to settle the people. But then he invited all of the people then, uh, all of the ministers then to a minister's meeting. And they had, and it was the last few pictures that I kind of skipped over, they had a tremendous gathering of ministers there of a hundred and fifty ministers and God supernaturally moved on the scene and took you'll see in the video you'll see a Pentecostal minister or the man that was the Pentecostal minister dressed in a suit you'll see him there but then you'll see in this in this video that they're getting ready to baptize 15 more of those ministers God is moving supernaturally Isn't that phenomenal? What God is doing, it's just beyond the control of man. So why don't you just play the video. It'll just show you a little bit of the minister's meeting and what went on there.
0: Türk Hüsnü the
1: firmanada ve sigện MuçlравляğımızCA'nın Kuş isten 아이� Diaz istiyor I went to
4: baptize
1: these pastors and some other ministers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As usual, we are blessed. Always, after our Bible study, on a Friday, we always have such a kind of harvest. I call it a harvest because God is gathering some group of people who are
0: going to carry on a revival.
4: La tournée de la la la
3: An amazing Grace shall always be my song of praise let's stand together Amazing Grace
4: shall always be my song of praise for it was grace that bought my liberty I not know just why he came to love me so for it was uh, and saw my needs is 300 359. I shall forever live mine eyes. Draw me close and keep me by His side.
5: Different people that are being baptized. If you take out of the Book of Acts where three thousand souls were added and they went to be baptized, if you took five minutes for every baptism, there'd be there close to what fifty hours. <laughs> so God, God has a way of dealing with individuals, and and here we have two young men. We just had uh, four other baptisms before, now we have two baptisms here this whole month. God has been dealing with our young people. Brother Tim was talking about having a missionary field. Well, we have a missionary field, and that's called our local assembly. Amen. And uh, one soul is worth 10,000 worlds. Yes, so right here, you're looking at 20,000 worlds. Amen. We're looking at the uh, the Word of God that's affected their lives. Uh, we have our brother Gabe, Gabe Livesey right here. And we have Jordan Haynes standing here. We have the South African connection. This is incredible. They didn't even know that each one wanted to be baptized. And I spoke to them both this week. And, and they're best friends. And they're good buddies. So I thought, well, God sent them out by two. And may God raise them up and use them for the glory of God. Amen. We're not getting younger. <laughs> so God raised them up. The Bible says this in Isaiah verse uh, chapter 59. Verse 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord. So shall they fear, as we've been hearing, the reverence of God. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and the glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. We can look at whatever you want to say. You can say virus, you can put whatever you name. God is going to get his elected seat as we heard this morning. Doesn't matter what. God's going to get a hold of our children because it's the token hour. Brother Bram said it's the token life. This is the this is the day. And we're fulfilling that prophecy and the scripture. And we can have mothers and fathers. We have the fifth gospels there and the high priests of the homes. Living a life that their children desire to live. And yet it's an individual life. And that's all we have waited for for our children to say, That's the God I want to serve. That's the Lord Jesus Christ of the hour. And we want to walk with him. For when the enemy comes in like a flood, When the devil comes in like a flood, God's going to raise up a standard. God's going to take two young men. And the Bible goes on to say. The redeemer shall come to Zion. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob. saith the Lord. As for me this is my covenant. Now God's making a covenant with us. With them saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee, and my words I have put in thy mouth. Brother Aiden, Brother Malcolm, thy spirit. Now covenants coming down to your home. I have put in thy mouth, they shall not depart of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever God has promised us our children and our children's children and if we don't believe that as an assembly then we're missing something we can't go to the mission fields if we can't mission within our own church and God has been gracious to give us these young men this morning and may the Lord bless them and may, may, may the Holy Spirit fill them as we talked this is not the end all water baptism is not the end all the Bible says, "Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But the ram said, the new birth is getting filled with God. This is the process for it, and we're just praying that the Holy Spirit, like a dove, will come down and fill these young men with the glory of God. I'd like to make another statement. Um, you know, Brother Ken Andy spoke on Sunday evening. And both these young men had mentioned that God had dealt with them, not only before them, but specifically they made a statement when Brother Ken started to talk about the Holy Ghost. That's when God started to spark it. And they're able to go to their moms and their dads and say, I want the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on over here, Gene. Amen. This is a bright young man. He knows exactly what's going on right now. Don't you? You love the Lord Jesus with all your heart, honey? Amen. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we stand in the waters of baptism. We pray, God, that the Holy Ghost and fire will fill this young man. Not knowing that his friend would be here in the waters, as many as we saw today didn't know who would be maybe traveling to the waters of baptism but you knew each one individually and separately and so as brother Gabe has surrendered his heart to you i pray that the holy ghost himself will come and fill this vessel to overflowing may there be a fire set within his heart and within his soul i pray father you fill him with the holy ghost and fire and brother Gabe by your testimony and the in Jesus Christ as being your personal Savior, I baptize you in true Christian baptism in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. All right. All right. All right. God bless you. Come on over here. Well, Jordan, this is what you've been waiting for for a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Huh? And we're just praying now that the Holy Spirit, you've been. I we, we told, and we're speaking, we told you to be expecting. This is your expectation of your relationship with God. And may the dove descend, and may you fill your heart and soul with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, okay, it's praying. You hold your wrist. real will take their work for me. Heavenly Father, we're just praying now for Brother Jordan. He's standing here, mom and dad are giving witness, Lord, to the workings of the Holy Spirit within his life. And Father God, I just pray you'll just do something very special for Brother Jordan. I pray, God, that you will bless him, fill him, use him, and make him a testimony to his family. Lord, may they see such a difference. It's no longer Jordan that lives, but now let it be Christ living in him. Let the Holy Spirit fill his soul with the fire of God. Amen. In Jesus' name, i your brother Jordan, by your confession that Jesus Christ is your own personal Savior. I baptize you in true Christian baptism in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>
6: Praise the Lord. I'm amazed
4: that He loves me. I'm
3: amazed,
4: let's all stand together, that you love me.
1: Raw.
3: Found grace maybe you're a sinner this morning I implore you cry out for mercy and may you find grace there may you find that God always had you in his mind if if there's even a twinge within your heart that says I want to serve God that's him pulling you why don't you just surrender to that this morning and just give up your will And take on the will of God. Say, Lord, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I will accept His will in my life. And lay down my will. That I can walk in the center of His will. Maybe you're in need this morning. There's mercy there. His mercies are renewed every day. It's written in Lamentations. They're fresh every morning. We sang that song a little bit earlier. My hope is in the Lord. Because his mercies are fresh every day. You find yourself in a situation, it doesn't matter where you are. He's your God. He's your God. I don't care who you are. You can be the lowest sinner. There was a man that came in a prayer line to Brother Branham that had, as far as I was concerned, blasphemed God. Had written a track against. He says, I curse God. He's actually written a track about it. And Brother Branham exposed it in front of the people. I think that was the price of him. God dealing with him. But nevertheless he was so far from God. But yet God had mercy on him. And Brother Branham called him brother. Oh it doesn't matter this morning. If You might be listening to it. You might not even be listening this morning. You might be listening to me on another day. You'll hear the record of my voice, but my voice reaches you. Why don't you just lay down your self-will and say, Lord, I accept your will for my life. I want to be what you want me to be. I accept your promise of my healing. I accept your delivering power. I accept your comfort. I accept your peace. It's already written. It's already paid for. Our will is to accept His promise. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're gathered together around this supernatural Word. Lord, I've described events today that are beyond the ability of man to put them together. Lord, these are supernatural events. Sovereign. Lord, much labor has gone into producing translations. Much effort has gone into doing different things. I've left things undescribed. I've left details untold. Many are the labor of many behind the scenes that have put this all together. But Lord, it's been according to your inspiration and according to your vision, Lord, that this has been done. And so all of the fruit of it, Lord, for all of the fruit of it, we give you the glory. You are the one that came by our way. And Lord, you're coming by the way of sons and daughters this morning. We're asking, Lord, from the depths of our being, we're agreeing in faith this morning, Lord, that those that have a need of a touch in their bodies, we're reaching out to you into the unseen realm. That, Lord, may your healing virtue that was loosed at Calvary 2,000 years ago, may it come into those bodies. May it quicken those mortal bodies. May it loose, Lord. I don't care if it's cancer. I don't care if it's it's uh, stroke. I don't care if it's heart disease. I don't care if it's diabetes. I don't care what it is, oh God. May Calvary's power that was loosed and paid for, may it pour into mortal bodies this morning, Lord. May it quicken them. This gospel is not a philosophy. This gospel is the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. I believe you, Lord. I believe your promise. We're believing together. and Lord, may your quickening power be upon those in need. And indeed upon each and every one of us. May your word be anchored in our heart. I commit this service to you. We've done what we can do. Now we commit it into your hands. Lord, may it accomplish what you sent it for. We love you. We thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Just before we dismiss you, I like that song, Out of His Great Love, He Picked Me Up. He set my feet on the solid rock. I think it's F, key of F. Out of His Great Love. There it is. Out of His great love
4: He picked me up He set my feet on the sturdy Out of His great love I learned the meaning of salvation, out of His great love I'd gone astray. Amazing again, our easy gray, I'll the sad and the red.
3: Hallelujah. Have you learned the meaning of his love? Then you know her twin sister, Grace. It's God's grace that we found. We went crying for mercy and we found grace. Oh, isn't he wonderful? We just love him. We just love him. Amen. Well, we could sing all day. We only have this one service. And I see we've gone quite long. So God bless you. God bless all of you that are streaming. God bless you abundantly. Those that we can see and those that we cannot see, man, the musicians that are gathered here and everybody that's here for the service today. God bless you. It's a labor. Appreciate you each and every one of you. God bless you. May the Lord be with you. Pray for the couple getting married tomorrow. May the Lord give them a blessed day. And and when is the next wedding? Thursday. Thursday is the one following. So they'll announce that on Wednesday, I'm sure. But God bless you. God bless the couple getting married tomorrow. You're all.